Jewish Money Matters, episode 231, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Friday, January 28th. February's here. What in the world? How did that happen? I know many of you are enjoying winter vacation. It's not the case for us here down south, but I know for many of you, it is. I hope everybody's, you know, um, having a healthy, happy one with their school-aged children, if you are. Today, we're going to address a couple questions. One, of course, I knew this was coming, related to the volatility that the stock market experienced this week. And uh, a couple other questions before we go that before we go to those questions. Let's do a little housekeeping in terms of, well, Monday's episode. I think Monday's episode is a must listen. I had Karen McCall, founder of the Financial Recovery Institute on the show. She really, I think her approach to getting out of debt is unique and it's very worthwhile for, for you to listen to that conversation and her experience with the emotional side of money is almost unparalleled. She really is one of the foremost authorities um, when it comes to this. So definitely worthwhile um, listening to that episode. That was Monday. Let's go to the mailbag. We have a review from Lily Aronin, Healthier You. And she says, best use of my time. I completely, I'm completely in alignment with the Elle's message. It is always exactly what is holding me back. Her words and interviews always meet me where I am and help me make the next shift to get unblocked. Well, that's great, Lily. Thank you so much for that beautiful review. Be in touch, send me an email, and I'll send you a link for us to connect. Listeners, I will be picking a reviewer of the week every Friday and you'll get a chance for us to sit down and talk about your money or whatever other questions you might have. So Lily, be in touch. Thank you for that. Yael at jewishlatinprincess.com and I look forward for us getting together. Oh, also, I didn't mention, but we just finished our first week of God Wants You to Be Rich and it was amazing. This group of women, oh my gosh, what a beautiful cohort. We are off to the races and I'm really enjoying every minute of it. All right, let's jump into our questions. First question is from Nicole on Facebook and she asks, what is your recommended application to use to track expenses and make a budget? Well, Funny enough that you asked, Nicole, because on Monday's episode, I had, as I said, Karen McCall, the founder of MoneyGrit. MoneyGrit is a tracking, it's really a budgeting um, system software. I'm personally a Google Sheets gal. I'll admit it. I do not use a tracking or budgeting app, although I, I have tried some and dislike them. <laughs> but if I were to recommend one, and if I were to personally use one, I would for sure be using MoneyGrit. They're not an affiliate of mine, but I really do like what I know about it. Um, and I know quite a lot. Definitely think it is the one out there that you probably won't be able to quote unquote trick. <laughs> and when you use one, you'll know what I mean. The only downside to MoneyGrit that as I see it and why a lot of my students end up not using it is because 
they still don't have an app. And I'm not sure why that is. I could I could call Karen and ask her um, why that's been delayed, but I don't think the app is out yet. So, you know, if you really need that functionality, then and that might be a deal breaker, then that might not be for you. However, I do think it is a very solid product. If I ever change my Google Sheet system, I would use MoneyGrid. Now, the second best option that, you know, it's not second best, it's a very solid option. My students and my listeners really like it is YNAB. YNAB is, is they're the, the initials for you need a budget. Definitely a good option. And they do have an app. So you might want to check that out. Those would be really my two suggestions. Um, I'm not going to say names of the other ones that I know of that I don't favor because, you know, that's kind of not nice. But um, those are my two suggestions. Check them out and let me know what you decide to use because I really love to hear. And any of you, if you have one that you love and adore, or please let me know. I really would love to learn more. All right. Alisa on Instagram asks, Hi, Yael. I see in the news that the Fed is raising interest rates in March. What significance does this, does this have for timing of investments? Also, somewhat related, if I have a few thousand dollars available to invest, as a general rule, is it okay to invest it all at once or better to spread out over a few months investing in mutual funds? Okay, so let's take this in pieces. Well, yes, we've all seen the week's volatility in the market, basically what they call a correction. It is related to the expectation that the Fed is going to increase interest rates. So let me talk about the market first. We'll break this into pieces, okay? So the market does that. It tends to be volatile. And now we're seeing that over, you know, after a long boom period, there might be some correcting, correct correction happening, right? This doesn't mean that you need to jump off the market. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that. Remember that when you get off, that's when you lose. And whenever you want to jump back again, you'll certainly be buying at higher prices because that's what's going to make you want to come back. Oh, you know, oh, I see that the stock market is going up. Oh, I should come back. Well, now you're actually buying at higher prices, right? So stay the course and stick to your long-term investment plans. That's 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 a general rule. The market always grows over the long run. So you're in for the average growth and there's no need to worry about the periodic dips that will inevitably happen. Obviously, if you're about to start living off of these investments in the next three to five years, I hope you're not only invested in the market as then you might not have enough time to benefit from the growth that follows the dip, right? The up after the down. So make sure that the closer you are to needing to to needing the money, to needing to live off of that money, of those investments, you're not solely invested in the market, okay? So that's just general info to kind of like understand what you might be thinking behind your question. Like you might be noticing that this is happening, okay? You're asking about the implications of the Fed's impending rise in interest rates on the timing of investment. So let's first address what do rising interest rates mean for the stock market, okay? So interest rates refer to, as you probably know, to the cost that someone pays for the use of someone else's money. The Fed sets the rate at which banks borrow from and lend to each other overnight. That's called the federal funds rate, right? It's what they're charging each other for overnight loans. And that Fed funds rate impacts the interest that you and I as consumers pay. And it has obviously a ripple effect across the entire economy, including the stock market. Okay, why does it happen? Well, I think we probably know this, that 
what the Fed is trying to do is um, control inflation, right? So by increasing the federal funds rate, the Federal Reserve is effectively attempting to shrink the supply of money available for making purchases, making money more expensive to obtain, okay? So now, to the stock market. While it usually takes at least like 12 months for a change in interest rates to have like a widespread economic impact, the stock market's response to a change in interest rate is often a little bit more immediate, a lot more immediate. So what tends to be the response, particularly in this case where we're expecting an increase, which means that borrowing becomes more expensive. So higher interest rates tend to negatively affect earnings and stock prices, with the exception, and I'll talk to this a little bit more later, of the financial sector. And you could already probably understand why. Okay. So what does it mean? If companies start cutting back on higher uh, if they start cutting back on, on their growth or investing in their growth because they have there's a higher cost of borrowing or if they have higher debt expenses, right? This is going to probably have an impact on their future cash flows and that might lower the price of a company's stock, right? And if enough companies experience these declines in their stock prices, the whole market goes down, right? So if there's a lowered expectation in the growth and the future cash flows of companies, investors will not be getting as much growth from the appreciation of the stock prices of those companies that they're holding, which then makes investing in stocks less desirable, so to speak, than other investments, okay? At the same time, there are others, there are sectors within these companies in the stock market that tend to benefit from an increase in interest rates. Like I said, the financial sector is an obvious one, right? Now, just to clarify, nothing really has to actually happen, as we saw this week, to consumers or to companies for the stock market to react to interest rate changes or the expected interest rate changes. Because what happens is that the expectation rising of, of rising or falling interest rates impacts the psychology of investors. So when the Federal Reserve announces a hike in interest rates that's coming up, and they haven't told us what that might be, right? Both businesses and consumers will cut back on their spending, and this is going to cause earnings to fall and stock prices to drop, and the market may tumble in anticipation of what is about to happen, which is what we were seeing. Okay, so now that we get this, what does it mean, Adina, for the timing of investments? Well, truthfully, we shouldn't be timing investments. That's number one, because we're always approaching the stock market as a long-term game, a long-term investment. Now, the fact that the, that the stock market is experiencing a correction or a drop, as we've seen, does mean that everything is on sale. <laughs> That's really what it means, that you're getting in at lower prices than you would have gotten in a couple months ago, a couple days ago. So it means that instead of getting out, we should be getting in because over the long term, the market will appreciate, again, the key word here being long term. If you're looking for a short term investment, for appreciation in the short term, this is not your best bet. Because as we've said, the market will possibly experience some sort of a correction from its previous levels, given the impending increase in interest rate, interest rates, and it might take a while for us to really see appreciation again. Um, so, you know, again, if you're a long term investor, that should not be a problem. And it really is a good time to invest if you're not investing yet or to add to your investments, okay? So 
You asked a second question about investing all at once or spreading it out over a few months. And you said that you're investing in mutual funds. I want to address that last part first um, before I get to your question. I really, I know you didn't ask me this, but I still want to say it. I really do not recommend you invest in mutual funds. I recommend you invest in index funds. And I think we've talked about this extensively on the show. You can, um, you can search for other episodes. And you can see the difference for yourself. I encourage you to go and open your um, your online brokerage account and check out the difference for yourself. Compare the expense ratios of mutual funds versus comparable index funds. And you will see that for the same pool of stocks and the same yield or return, you will be paying a significantly higher commission or expense rate expense ratio, sorry, which will significantly impact your gains over the long term as these fees are compounding over time. So this is really important. Now, to your question on spreading out. You said if you have $1,000 available to invest, should you as a general rule invest it at one, uh, 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 all at once or better to spread it out over a few months? Okay. Really, this question is about something called lump sum investing or what's called uh, dollar cost averaging, okay? So let me explain dollar cost averaging first because lump sum investment, we get it. It's just putting your money in all at one time. With dollar cost averaging, you invest small amounts of your money at certain intervals over the course of time. It could be weekly, monthly, quarterly, and that's really how most of us invest. If we've automated our investments or if we're taking advantage of something like a 401k at work, that's what we're doing. You can do the same thing with money that you have sitting in a savings account that you've decided it's time to invest it. You can spread out the deposits to your investment account over 12 months evenly or maybe even longer instead of investing investing it all at once. That way you're kind of riding the volatility. So with dollar cost averaging, you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of the ups and downs in the market. You just put it on autopilot. It can really help take away the emotion of investing. So it really compels you to continue investing the same or roughly the same amount, regardless of what the market is doing, regardless of its fluctuations, potentially helping you avoid the temptation to time the market or pull out of the market or, you know, all that, that, you know, a little bit irrational, emotional behavior, let's say, okay. So when you dollar cost average, you're going to end up buying more shares of an investment when the share price is low because you're putting the same amount of money and fewer shares when the share price is high. And this can result in, you know, paying a lower average price per share over time. Of course, you have to see, you know, what are the costs involved and all that. The benefit of investing it all at once is that you get exposure to the market as soon as possible. So I happen to like that. The downside is if you Hey, if you have a lump sum of money and you put it, if you invest it in the market all at once, then you run the risk of buying at a peak, which can be unsettling if prices fall. But again, if you're in for the long term, which you should be, then as long as you're okay with any dips in the market, it's all good. Now, there have been studies that show that you end up with higher returns if you take the lump sum approach. But again, I think the thing to consider here is more your emotions. Are you going to be okay with investing that money if you start losing it in the next few months? Are you going to be okay? Are you going to be able to ride it out? Because then in the next, in the other few months, 
right? Or in the next year or two years, you're going to start seeing the gains. If you're okay with that, and you're okay with not having that money in cash as well, because remember, with dollar cost averaging, you're still holding off to holding on to most of your cash because you, you know, you just investing small amounts of that cash and you know over time if you're okay with not having that cash and you're okay with riding the wave um then then that's what you do then you go all in you invest it all at once if you're not okay with that and you'd rather just kind of like you know measure your moves that's better emotionally for you then you spread it out all right so Again, there's no, you ask for a general rule. There's no general rule. It has to do with how you, your risk tolerance and your emotional kind of like attachment to the process um, more than a mathematical rule. Uh, And most of us, you know, do dollar cost averaging just by virtue of the fact that we invest as a function of when we're getting paid. So that's exactly what's happening. Then many people, when they have a windfall, like a bonus at the end of the year, they still rather approach it as dollar cost averaging. And some of us get a bonus at the end of the year or have a windfall and we right away, you know, just put it in. It really depends on the person. Okay. So the one last thing that I will say is that I am assuming that these few thousand dollars that you mentioned is not money that you need for your periodic expenses or any upcoming expenses and that you, you know, that you don't have any high interest credit card debt and that you, um, and you have those cash reserves, um, that you might need. Okay. All right. Next question is from Aria. Aria says, how do you deal with clients that get services and refuse to pay and delay their payments? Happens to be that she says, I am a hardworking Scheitelmacher. You know what that means? That means she styles and maybe even repairs wigs. Okay, very, very important service to society, to the Jewish community. Listen, this is the this is the deal. You're a business owner. You deliver when the service is paid. So you return the product when the service is paid. Full stop. Like, you know, so you have to establish a policy and then you have to enforce it. When there's a policy in place, you've set a boundary, right? Remember that you're running a business, you're not running a charity fund. They're two different things, they're both important. But it's the charity fund is not what you're doing. Now, right now you're running your business, okay? So it really, this question is not about what to do about other people. It's about what to do about you and your mindset and your discomfort charging and establishing a policy. Just do it. A business is a wonderful thing. You're adding tremendous value with your service. And the better your business does financially, that means you have to collect payment the more people you're going to be able to serve, including you, your employee, your employees, your vendors, your clients, etc. Okay, so think about it that way. All right, that is a wrap. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole, Adina, Oria for the questions. I hope that helped everybody. And I really hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. A Shabbat Shalom. And I'll see you right here next week. Please be sure to submit those questions. You can always send them in on Instagram like Hadina did. You can go into my Facebook group. If you're not part of it, part of it, just head over to Facebook and search for Jewish Money Matters and you'll just request access. You can always email me 
and I will be able to tackle your questions. Please leave a review. You know what will happen. I will pick a review every week and that person will get to meet with me and we get to talk about your money or your family or your faith or whatever's on your mind. Lily, be sure to reach out to me. Thank you for that beautiful review. Please subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. I hope you have a Shabbat Shalom and a wonderful weekend.